Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This episode of the Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you by Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com. Use the offer code TECHNIGHTOWL. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com, and also Jeff Gamet from the Mac Observer on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah! Daniel, I was thinking of you when Apple released the iOS 7.0.6 update for this SSL bug. What was that all about? Well, the, well, the update uh, addresses the problem with, uh, there was both a problem in iOS as well as OS X. They, use, they both use the same framework for setting up encrypted connections and there was a flaw in it a bug it looks like a typo that managed to get past all the people who check apple software before it goes out and some looking into it indicates that it happened even before some point before the release of ios 7 so it's been something that's been out there but i think the first recognition of it happened last month well that's the big point here there's an article from somebody at zdnet one of the frequent offenders, suggesting that Apple knew about it for a long time and just didn't fix it. Well, there's a conspiracy theory that suggests that because it, there's a difference between when you know something and when you realize something happened. So you can say you lost your keys and you realize that you've, you haven't had your keys for two days. And you realize, oh, wow, I actually lost them a long time ago. Well, that's like, you know, trying to extrapolate that into saying, well, you've had, you've been in a, a situation where a thief could have picked up your keys and got into your car and, you know, come to your house and into your house. Well, I mean, that is possible if somebody would have found it before you found it or realized that it was missing. But in this case, it's kind of like the key thing where this wasn't broadly known until quite recently. And Apple pretty rapidly fixed the problem when they realized what it was because it wasn't a super difficult problem to fix. In fact, Apple had the fix right away, of course. The difficulty with distributing it is that it takes some time to make sure that the package of other updates that they're putting out, you know, there's a decision. Do we release this as as just a uh, software update um, addressing the security issue, or do we put it with the update that's getting ready to roll out? And if they don't do that, then it it slows down the next update. Well, the other thing to consider here is every time you add or remove even a single line of code, you recompile your software, you recompile your installer, and then you got to check it to make sure it works. It can't just throw it out there and create more problems. Yeah, I mean, if, if you are too rash in trying to solve problems, you know, you could introduce new problems like you're suggesting. So it, there's a lot of work in figuring out how to do this. If you look at the actual timeline that Apple followed, it was before really the media wasn't reporting that there was a problem. The media looked at Apple's fix and said, oh, hey, there was a problem. And that was what the big story was. And in addition to that, you know, Apple fixed iOS first, and then it was four days later they fixed, they released a patch for OS X, Mavericks. And so like all weekend, you know, two of those days were weekend days, during this four-day four period of time, then, you know, there's various sources in the media were trying to inflate it in, into this huge 
a world ending scenario. When in reality, you know, it is, it is a serious moral vulnerability, but there's a lot of serious vulnerabilities that exist in all of our software. Some of them we know about, some of them we don't. So it's a problem to, for the average person to sort of hysterically describe a problem in terms of the worst possible thing that could happen when there isn't really anything happening anyway. All right. So I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize and say that it wasn't a problem because it was a serious problem and it really indicates that how easy it is to, you know, introduce a problem that you don't even realize that potentially puts people at risk. So Apple does need to improve its things. To, you know, there's room between what Apple does and perfection. But if you compare it to what, what Microsoft does and what Google does and what other, other vendors do, they don't update their software at all. I specifically, you know, laid out a, a major flaw in new and modern smartphones that come with Android. Then the media gives them a total pass. They don't even care, even though it's completely exploitable, has the tools in place so that people who don't even have an expert understanding of security issues can exploit users. And it affects the majority of Android users. And it's not even a story. All right. Let's talk about the SSL bug for a second here. This is about verification of SSL connections. So in theory, and there are always theories, in theory, you could make this connection it's not secure, and someone can break in. So how SSL works on a very simplistic level is if you're connecting to, for example, your email server, your computer and the server have to establish a, a secure connection so that you're encrypting messages back and forth so then it's not wide open, as you know, email was, has been wide open for decades, and nobody lost their, nobody cared about it because they didn't realize what potential there was to actually encrypt your mail. but. For the past several years, email has been SSL encrypted, which means that both parties have a key that they encrypt their messages with, and there's a, a sharing between them of, it's a little complicated to describe really quickly, but what, what this SSL bug allowed was for somebody who knew what server you might be going to, they could pose as that server, and SSL is designed to... Um, not that let that happen. So even if somebody's out there and they're saying, hey, I'm actually Google or I'm actually Apple servers, your computer can look at the keys and realize, no, actually you're not. You're not, you don't match this number that I get when I apply my key to what you're giving me. What the bug allowed potentially, you know, it, it created the possibility of happening is somebody creating quite a sophisticated attack where they were sending fake documents to you you know, you know, improperly signed stuff to you and your system, because of the flaw in Apple software, would fail to even verify it. So from a security point of view, if you're looking at how things should actually perfectly work in an ideal scenario, yeah, it was an egregious flaw. And you could imagine scenarios, but it wasn't something that people are actually doing. Okay, because they have to first be aware of the problem before they can exploit it. Yeah. You you don't discover a problem like this through mental telepathy. It's not the kind of problem that you're normally aware of. It doesn't just happen in a way that is obvious to somebody unless you know what to look for. And you also need to know what, what servers are trying to reach. And what I read about um, on OS X, it specifically required a user to be trying to verify a certificate via a, an IP address, which isn't typically how you'd verify SSL. So, I mean, it was a flaw. It wasn't, it wasn't like the barn door was wide open. 
and obvious to other people. It's kind of like, you know, my illustration with the key, it's, you know, potentially a problem, but in reality, there's a lot of barriers that, that are there before even anyone can realize it's a problem. Now, at the same time, we know that there are other flaws in the software. Apple's iOS and OS 10 are not without flaw. And I'm not trying to suggest that everything Apple does is perfect and that this is was not a big deal. It is a big deal, and Apple needs to focus on security and make sure that they're keeping people secure, and also they need to work on their perception that they're fixing updates quickly. And the media, you know, the, the specific people in the media, especially Reuters, they, they just went nuts about this thing and blew it out of proportion. Um, it really shows media bias because they're not doing that for much more obvious and exploitable problems in other platforms. And that's the angle that I wrote it up. Not that it, not that it wasn't a problem, but that in the, in the scheme of things, it was being reported way out of proportion to the actual um, real-world threat that people, you know, it wasn't that people were falling victim to having their data taken. Because there are, the, there are remote, like I said, there are remote exploit things where people can come and take control of your Android phone. And that, that's happening as we speak. It's just happening. Okay, more is going to happen with Daniel Arendilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. You know, folks, I have a close relative who has been trying to set up a website. He gets his domain, looks great, but what about the site? What does he do next? Where does he start? Well, Squarespace, it's the all-in-one platform, makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace offers 24-7 support, and it's cheap. It only costs as little as $8 a month. You know, really inexpensive to set up your professional website, and you can start a trial with no credit card required. Build your website today in minutes. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code TECHNIGHTOWL. That's TECHNIGHTOWL to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support to the Tech Night Owl Live. We thank Squarespace for supporting our show. Check them out at squarespace.com, squarespace.com. Hi, this is Steve Spillum for Midas Resources. In 1971, President Nixon took the United States off the gold standard and put us into a fiat currency. This allowed Congress and the Federal Reserve to create trillions of dollars out of thin air. The national debt has risen to incredible heights, and your hard-earned dollars buy a small fraction of what they once did. The average life expectancy for a fiat currency is 27 years. The dollar is failing and on borrowed time. When currencies fall, people turn to gold and silver because gold and silver have been real money for more than 5,000 years. It is our mission at Midas resources to help you preserve your capital. Don't let your personal savings shrink to nothing. For important free information on how you can protect your personal wealth, contact me, Steve Spillum, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Call today while we are still accepting dollars for gold and silver. 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Make a change in your financial security today. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. 
I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics. But the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. Utopiasilver.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Out Live, we're focusing on security because of the SSL verification bug that Apple fixed before anybody really knew about it, except for OS X, and even then, exploiting it is not such an easy thing that it can happen to anyone. It required somebody physically knowing the bug was there, developing a means to exploit it, and that sort of thing. This is where things get to be pretty dicey. So we have some of the fear mongers out there making a huge deal. This, oh my God! The world's going to end, but the world didn't end. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of interesting, in addition to patching that, Apple also added new features to OS X. So I think, I think in the tech media, we get, a, we get a little bit of exaggerated sense of this media bias. People in general may have seen some mention of it, and they're like, oh, there's an update, I need to patch my thing. And you know that's actually a good thing. People should be aware of software update mechanism and and that they need to keep their software updated because you know i've worked with a lot of people you know in in the role of a consultant and a lot of people don't take security uh seriously and outside of computers there's very rare areas where we really focus on security you know most people lock their house or their car unless you live in i grew up in montana we didn't really lock our we didn't really lock either one actually you know i'm gonna tell you a story here very quickly about locking cars let me tell you this I think I was really lucky. Maybe the gods were watching out for me. So for the past several days, I was down with a virus of some sort. So I didn't go outside, except that a company who repairs auto windshields came over because there was a crack on the windshield, and it was going to be replaced. So I'm elsewhere occupied, 
when the technician shows up. So my wife hands him the car key and he does his thing, but this dolt never locked the car when he left. Well, that, that's an example of a vulnerability. And so somebody has to know that the car is unlocked. They have to have the motive to want to get in your car. I mean, there's a series of things. Um, there's some places, you know, in the Bay Area, Oakland is kind of known as being a, a sort of dangerous place. You probably don't want to have, you know, leave a car with stuff in the car. Um, it, it's quite, it's so bad that in fact, they don't lock their cars anymore. Somebody was telling me, it's like, when we park our car, we just leave that unlocked so that somebody can like open it up and see that there's nothing in it instead of smashing out a window and then realizing that, you know, something they thought was valuable was just a hoodie or something in the back seat. So, I mean, there's different ways to approach security, but it, it's important to realize that when, when the media starts talking about security, it's often done in a way that's both unrealistic and not really helpful to end users. If they want to say you need to up, you know uh, install this update because there's a secure you know component to it that could theoretically open you up to uh, attack or you know spying, then you know that's great. But when they start blowing it into this thing where Apple doesn't care about security and you know the, the reporting on this is really terrible. Well, what can I say? Unfortunately, the media is not well educated when it comes to this sort of subject well there there is i mean security is a a subject that i don't i don't write about security a lot because i'm not a security expert i have to talk to other people to understand you know the the exact things that are going on and and what the real scope of things are but if you listen to security experts you know what they tell you is apple can do better as a as a vendor in addressing things, but Apple does a quite a good job. And Apple's really been focusing on, for example, the enterprise in a way that they haven't before. And Apple's always had this kind of longstanding problem of using a lot of open source, which, you know, is seen as kind of a great thing. But the thing is, if you're using open source software, there's a lot of packages that are rapidly, uh, they're rapidly changing because people are constantly adding fixes or, or finding things or just changing the architecture of a package. And, for a vendor like Apple that can't use the latest version because it's unstable and an older version, there may be documented flaws in. So it, it's complicated because unlike companies that write nothing but their own software, there's, you know, they call it security by obscurity. Maybe people don't know what the bugs are, but they're still there. Whereas with open source, usually the bugs are documented, especially if you're using an older version of a software package. And so it's actually quite easy to find technical vulnerabilities in Apple's products by saying, oh, Apple's using this version of this product. We can go online and find out where the flaws are. And that opens up real problems that are actually attackable. So it's easy to find the holes because of, of Apple's broad use of open source software. In this case, it wasn't open source software. It was Apple's own software. And the only reason why people knew that there was a bug in it was because Apple transparently uh, revealed that there was a flaw. Nobody knew that before. So the guy from ZDNet was not sitting on that knowledge for months. And no, that's he, the implication in his article. Yeah, so his, his backdating is he's, he's saying Apple announced that there was this problem, and it appears that it existed all the way back into you know, a year or two ago because those are also being patched. But it wasn't that there was knowledge, whether it was in Apple or outside of Apple. There's no proof that there was any understanding that that flaw was there. And this whole NSA conspiracy theory that says that, oh, at the same time as when the NSA was putting Apple on a slide saying that they were a partner, 
first of all, there's no evidence that, that Apple has ever partnered with NSA in any sort of sense. It's not on their interest to. But at the same time, conflating two dates and saying that they happened around, you know, in the same kind of point in history and saying, oh, that indicates that Apple introduced this obvious flaw in their software and then told people about it. That's the absolute, I'm trying not to say a profanity. It's just ridiculous. Well, the other thing, of course, was saying, look how simple it is. You just take out the Abrin line of code and you recompile and you release it. And two hours later, everybody has an update that may break their iPhones, iPads, and Macs because they didn't test it. Yeah, it's, it's really similar to other issues where Apple is, you know, like the supplier accountability reports. I, you know, I recently wrote a story and I kind of compared those two things together. You know, Apple will say, we're the only company, really, only tech company on earth who's really pushing, not only in a position to push, but even, even exerting any effort to make sure that not only the people that they work with, but the suppliers of the people that they contract with, the people who are um, giving them the materials or, or you know, subcontractors, whatever, several layers deep, as far back as Apple can control. Apple's using its money, its leverage, to force them to do the right thing, to educate their people, to treat their people correctly. Like not only according to the law, but even a standard higher than the local laws offer any protection for. And also to in the areas of the environment and, and things like conflict minerals and things where everywhere that Apple can use its its leverage, and Apple has billions of dollars in leverage, they're forcing the world to get better. And there's a number of media journalists that every time one of those reports come out, where Apple's saying, you know, we're working really hard to make sure that none of these factories hire people or create fake documentation that they're hiring, you know, people who are underage that shouldn't be working in factories. You know, this is the big thing about it. They criticize Apple for the employment practices of these contract factories they use, and they ignore the fact that all these other companies, Dell and HP and Samsung sometimes, they're all using the same factories to build their gear. So if Apple's guilty, what about these others? Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. Well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. (laughs) But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit Herbalhealer.com and click the winter specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products. Herbalhealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. So we went from the SSL bug and all the conspiracy theories about what Apple knew and when did they know it. Maybe they should actually contact Congressman Issa and have him investigate Apple next because you'll hear that demand. Yeah, Apple's held to like this really, I mean, Apple's always compared to perfection and everyone else is just kind of like congratulated for being around still. But, um, you know, there's also a reason for that. Apple's now the only company that's doing well in personal computers and they're making the vast majority of the profits in mobile devices, like by far. 
And the media is trying to distract away from that and saying, oh, Apple isn't making the majority of devices being shipped to, to stores. And it's like, well, that almost doesn't matter because the vast quantities of Android products that are being shipped do not result in a platform that developers are seeking to target. It's not like Windows. It's not like Windows where you had a, a situation where there were already vast numbers of DOS users that were using DOS software or um, you know, very basic uh, mainframe, um, what, do you, what do you call it, terminals. Windows was basically offering a sort of Mac-like interface for software that already existed. This DOS software and terminal emulation, that's nothing even comparable to the Android situation where there was no Android before Android. There was Java apps that people weren't really using. wasn't a strong platform. Developers couldn't really target well. So Android really perpetuated the status quo of mobile being broken, where Apple created an entirely new sort of thing with apps. There were apps before. I remember having a Palm phone, and, and you could get apps for other phones, but there was never a functional marketplace where people were making lots of money developing software for mobile devices. And there still isn't for tablets for outside of Apple. Outside of the iPad, there's really no big tablet market for apps. And that was recognized even at the Mobile World Conference just recently. They, they said that the iPad Air was like the best tablet. But in their comments, they said that it's like Apple has an ecosystem that nobody can compare with. And that was a, something that Apple wasn't even there. And it's sort of a, a conference for all these other Apple competitors. And they're acknowledging that it's like there really isn't an app market for tablets outside of Apple. And PC tablets running Windows are not even helping to hold up the, the problem with Windows PCs collapsing. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty profound that Apple is the only tablet platform that sort of matters at all. And they clearly have siphoned off all the value in smartphones. So to think, oh, what does Apple do next? The, the obvious question is, what does everybody else do next? Because Apple has a foundation to do all kinds of things. They can make a cheaper phone if they want. If that's, if that's the way to expand iOS or, or, or make more money or even just stall the progress of other phone companies, Apple has a lot of options available to it. Other companies don't. Samsung can't create new product categories that anybody wants. They can innovate new things. They can say, oh, here's a, here's a phone with Android on it. I mean, a, a camera. Here's a watch band that has, you know, connects to our smartphone. We have the first smartwatch, but no one's buying it. And that's an important distinction. And that's why they need all these media reports that are inventing problems for Apple and, and congratulating everyone else for just like remaining in business. Well, of course, there is also a story today about malware hidden by this Tor proxy server, which kind of makes your online queries anonymous. And that's an Android bug, another Android bug. And I read the entire article and I wondered, why didn't anybody ask Google, what are you doing about it? <sighs> Forget it. Anyway, let's, before we get on to your editorial for Apple Insider about maybe the media getting some spiffs from Samsung, you know, that's really one of the issues that maybe we should talk about. Apple obviously doesn't buy media coverage. They will allow very small selected members of the media special access, but everybody else, you know, get in line. If you want to cover us, you're invited to one of the events. You report what goes on there. Maybe we'll grace you with a review product. 
but that's it. But they're not sitting there writing checks. But I remember years ago where Microsoft would seed bloggers with free high-end PC notebooks with the latest version of Windows and efforts to get good reviews. Yeah, that's kind of par for the industry. I mean, that's, that happens to a lot of places. And what you're talking about with Spiffs, that's retail. That's when people are, um, you know, salespeople, you're saying, hey, if you sell our phones, we'll give you an extra little commission. So that's, that's why when you go to phone shops, they're all touting Samsung devices because that's how they get paid. And that, that's somewhat common for the industry. It happens in a lot of places, you know, the TV market, consumer electronics, there's all kinds of spiff deals in place. But what's, I, mean, I think what's more interesting than that is the fact that Apple doesn't have to do that because they have customers that are asking for their products. And increasingly, Apple is having a presence in retail on its own. And Apple's retail is growing despite the fact that for, what is it now, two years, they haven't had effective leadership. I mean, Tim Cook has been kind of like running it sort of directly without anyone taking over. So it'll be interesting to see what her name escapes me the former CEO of Burberry um, who hasn't even taken over yet. She, I think she's slated to start heading Apple's retail efforts in the spring or maybe even later than that. But there's certainly incredible potential there because retail is doing pretty good without anyone really focusing on it. So that's another area where Apple can really expand. I mean, there's so many, so much opportunity for Apple to expand its retail stores. We're talking about Angela Arantz. Yes. Okay. Now, she also, I gather, will run the online store. So if there are going to be changes, there'll be changes to both. Yes. All right. But let's move on back to the spiffs, and let's talk about the bribes to the media. Now, you had a story in Apple Insider, which I took to say that, what is it, ZDNet and CNET? Or shall they say, given a little incentive to favorably review app Samsung products? Well, I didn't say that specifically. There, there is um, published reports, though, that, uh, that show kind of an intermingling of what's supposed to be. I mean, the, you know, the journalistic integrity was supposed to be that the people who um, generate content are not influenced by advertisers. And that's always been sort of a problem in... in um, in the newspaper industry and t- television reporting. And it, as, as journalism has progressed into new medias, it's always been sort of like this questionable thing of, um, you know, this company is paying, you know, sponsoring this broadcast. How much negativity are we going to realistically give this company? And, you know, sometimes there's obvious bias or omission of, of negativity or, or whatever. Sometimes it's, it's harder to kind of define. But there's online, there's increasingly becoming, because there's so much analytics online, and you can tell exactly who's watching, and you can, um, there's, there's a finer degree of control. You have situations where you can do things that have never been able to be done before or are not common. And one of those, you know, one example of those is you can, you can write a review and say it's unbiased. And then... Uh, this report was talking about how both it was in this specific specific example it was CNET and it was both Microsoft and Samsung who are major advertisers quite obviously were paying Samsung to promote favorable reviews of their products and Sam and 
CNET was saying, oh, no, th- this, this was a review we did without, um, you know, it wasn't contingent upon them giving us money. We wrote it. It was completely unbiased. We're just allowing them to, you know, sponsor in a way that it shows up on the web page all the time. When you're looking for reviews, it like kind of goes to the top. Okay, so this is a key here. Okay, so what you do here is when you take advertising from a company, anything you write about their products, and I suppose particularly favorable items, will carry those ads. Interesting. we got more to talk about with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider on the Tech Night Out Live. independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life lasting decades. 
but this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD, or log on now to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com. You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we're talking about how Samsung can goose the favorable ratings for their products. So is that part of it there that if you write nice things to Samsung, you get to see their ads on the same page. Well, that's no, that's not it. And um, I mean, technically, there's a lot of situations where you know, and Samsung is now making half the Android phones. So to say that Samsung can't advertise on a favorable Samsung review is kind of that's not terribly questionable. Especially if you say, "Oh no, our, our advertising and our editorial are completely different." What this was an example of is saying we already rev- we already gave Samsung's galaxy s4 a a glowing review so samsung's ad is our review saying what how great this is and it works for everybody is becomes an ad it's it's promoted throughout our website so that when you go to reviews a top promoted review is this great one so look at this review first it's our glowing review of samsung's product and this is paid for by samsung and there's there's some acknowledgement of that that this is a, a paid promotional link that directs your attention to our positive review. But it's an example of um, kind of an increasingly slippery kind of gray line between what we're writing because we think that you should benefit from this information and what we're promoting to you because we're being paid to do it. And that's one example of a lot of things that are happening. It's not exactly news that online sites write in reflection to who's giving them both gear and money and favor and privilege. And like you're saying, there's some, there's some cases where Apple provides access or doesn't provide access based on the kind of reporting that you do about the company. But I've talked to Apple. I've, I've written um, critical things and it hasn't affected what I get. And I know there's other people that have made, you know, very realistic this is what people should know about a product, whether it's favorable or not. And Apple doesn't hinge upon whether they work with you based on whether you only say positive things or not. What that's an example of is when 
other people have drawn connections between, for example, a site that has made a big deal out of things and, and said things that weren't actually true, like the whole reporting on China and kind of suggesting that Apple is the only company that has ever used Chinese companies and suffering some of the problems, the social and economic and um, environmental issues that are related to China are completely the fault of Apple. It does appear that Apple is like shied away from sites that are just promoting this very vitriolic mm. hatred of Apple that isn't, isn't real and isn't truthful. And so, you know, I mean, if you were Apple, why would you support a site that's lying about you? I see a big difference between something like that and intermingling your advertising and your editorial to the point where it's hard to tell if this is an ad or if this is real. Well, that implies some sort of irregularity. Oh, yeah, it's completely irregular. Uh, Samsung is dumping incredible billions of dollars in promoting its products to the point where it's now acknowledging to shareholders, yeah, we need to tighten up this marketing because it's kind of out of control. That's what they said in their, in their last meeting with investors. So the, the flip side to that is that Samsung's been getting a lot of good coverage in the last year, 2013, but they were spending a lot of money to guarantee that that was continuing. So if they let up on that, what happens? All right. So obviously, therefore, even if there's supposed to be a disconnect between editorial and advertising, there is that pressure. Well, I I think that there's the money that's supporting tech reporting is so obviously flowing from tech companies themselves that it's, you know, it's not actually surprising that, you know, even the headlines are taken directly from the kind of propaganda arms of these companies. And, you know, Apple does that too. Apple will issue a release and journalists will pick it up and often repeat it the same way that Apple has, has phrased it. And even but, when they don't do that, they use Apple's talking points in yeah. rewriting it. I mean, it's that's not kind of like the same with everybody. Sure. But this is really true in many parts of the media. I know even years ago, I was working on a radio station, and we had a deal with UPI and also AP. We were affiliates. I could cover stuff for them and get a little extra money on the side. And quite often, a lot of the stories they wrote were basically slightly rewritten press releases. Yeah, that's... When you look at media and if you're aware of the press release, you can see that what, what journals are doing is usually just lifting stuff from the press release. So that heavily influences what people think. And that's why PR exists. And that's why there's a whole, um, you know, every company has a PR group that tries to coach things in the most favorable light. In some cases, it's, it's sort of like avoiding negativity, which I think what Apple does a lot is trying to tone down sort of hysterical news and say, hey, this is what's actually happening. But there's a lot of companies that really try to seed things that are not true and are misleading to customers. And so you can look for like a smoking gun and say, this is actually the, you know, this was a wrong thing that they did. But, you know, when you just step back and look at overall what's happening, Apple does a pretty good job of presenting things in a um, sort of honest way because their products aren't terrible. They aren't like, vast security issues that aren't being addressed for long periods of time just because Apple can't get around to it or because they're partnered with a bunch of companies that they have no control over and can't influence to get these out. 
that's not a problem that Apple's having. That's the problem that Android's having. Google has sort of an unmanageable platform that if Apple was, if Apple was doing the same thing, if Apple had an open platform, they would have the same problems. But that's what Google's saying is they're saying, hey, the, the, the way to have a great platform for mobile devices is to have it wide open and allow people to do whatever they want and the market will figure it out. But the market, that hasn't been happening. And instead you have this sort of kind of socialist system where no one's really incentivized to do anything. And there's this central control of what's going on, but it's not being pushed out. It's not really benefiting people. So, I mean, Android in a lot of ways is sort of a failure. You know, I want to tell you something here. This just came on the wire, as they say. And it's a site called FR Android, which I guess is French Android or something like that. Google's Android head, Sundar Pichai. I'm not really sure how he pronounced his name, so I won't try. I'm going to quote you what he says, okay? He says, when asked about security at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Spain, this is the quote, folks. We cannot guarantee that Android is designed to be safe. The format was designed to give more freedom. When people talk about 90% of malware on Android, they must, of course, take into account the fact that it is the most popular operating system in the world. If I had a company dedicated to malware, I would also be addressing my attacks on Android. But he's not answering. The real question is, all right, you're being attacked. What do you do about it? Yes, and, and what he's saying is, is kind of like saying we're like Windows. Of course, we're being attacked because we're the biggest platform. But that, that's not actually, um, it's not actually, actually true in the sense that the valuable customers, the people who are more, most likely for people to want to attack in terms of like trying to steal information from them are on iOS. And further, the, the, the proportion of malware that exists for any other platform other than Android is almost minuscule. And the Android platform is not one platform. There's the brand new, latest, mostly patched version that Android is just releasing, like KitKat, you know, they're, they're working to solve problems, but KitKat is only, you know, KitKat has been out as long as iOS 7. And yet, 82, more than 82% of iOS devices have iOS 7 on them now. And you know what the, the percentage is for KitKat on Android devices? According to Google, it's 1.8% this month. So Google is doing an absolutely terrible job of distributing its software. Now, part of that is like what he's saying. It's 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 um, it's because Android's job is much more difficult, and Android is not trying to be a secure platform. That's not what they're designing for. They're not trying to create a great experience like Apple. They're trying to broadly have as many people using at least some version of their software, so they can um, manage the deployment of ads to them. They don't care about security. Doesn't matter. And I wonder if there was a follow-up question, because I would have asked it, and I would have said, okay, sir, and as much as you don't care, what do you expect the customers to do? Do you expect them to be on their own? Is this the wild, wild west? What is it? Daniel Aaron Dilger will answer, maybe, on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. 
Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People Grow Cotton, Weave Fabric, Engrave Ink, Embed Strips and Fibers to Protect from Counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $29.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, I'm Gene Steinberg. We're talking to Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, Apple Insider. Fast statement from the head of Android. That to him, security doesn't matter. Well, I don't think it's that security doesn't matter. It's that he's talking about the kind of like the point of what Android was designed for. He's talking about it's designed to be freedom and whatever. You know, that's kind of gagging. But I mean, what he really is saying is that it's designed to be open in a sense that nobody can gain control of, and apart from Google, and it's actually open enough to where. Other people can fork it. For example, that's what Nokia is doing on their new phone. That's what uh, Amazon is doing with the Kindle software that doesn't work like Google's Android and doesn't include Google's apps like Maps. And it's what's happening in China. And interestingly, it's what Samsung is sort of pursuing with its own Tizen. Okay, this is interesting. You raised that point. Tizen is now going to power the new samsung galaxy gear smartwatches they're not using android interesting well i mean what android is is sort of a um improved upon java platform they took java running on linux and it tried to in their in their mind uh improve upon it by making it a better broad platform for licensing so that it was easier to kind of 
have compliance with a core set of software so that all software can run the same thing. The problem is there's, there's a lot of problems with related to performance with that sort of an architecture. But beyond that, um, there's not tremendous benefits in what Google created compared to just doing your, you're doing your own thing with bare Linux. Which, so if, you, if you're trying to write games on Linux, you just bypass everything, you know, the, the kind of specific to Android layer and you write to Linux or you write to lower level native stuff. Uh, and that's kind of what Tizen is doing because it's basically Linux with a layer of non-Android glue on top that developers will have to take their Android apps and change them a little bit to make them work on that, sometimes significantly. But it's basically Linux, and that's what Motorola was doing before Android. That's what w- was kind of broadly happening in the mobile d- device. There's always been sort of a Linux distribution and the Limo Foundation and all these different groups that were trying to make a, a just sort of generic version of Linux. And so now Google's faced against that. They're competing with mostly iOS and to a much smaller extent, you know, conceptually competing with Windows Mobile or Windows Phone. But mainly what they're going to be competing with is a more open version of an open software. And they're going to have no control over it. So Android's facing kind of wide open competition. And Android is not monetizing devices in a way. It's certainly nothing even closely related to Apple. Apple makes its money from hardware. Google doesn't make very much money at all from mobile devices. They make it from broadly having a huge portion of ad share on all devices. And that's going to erode quite rapidly if anybody uh, gains any traction with something like Tizen or, you know, another version of Linux or even a, a, the forked version of, of Android that don't benefit Google in any way. And I think it's been a huge media distraction to focus a lot of attention on Android and how important it is because it's on 80% of phones kind of thing. But that doesn't, hasn't been benefiting Google that much. Google was making more money on iOS than it was on Android. And going forward, Google's control over Android is going to slip. It's, it's already slipping. And the amount of money that they're making on Android is clearly seems to be less than what they've invested into it. You say slipping in what sense? Because of what Samsung did, particularly with their smartwatches? That there's no benefit to, quite obviously, if you look at everyone in the mobile industry, Samsung's making money. Everybody else is not making money. All the other Android licensees are struggling to survive. So it's not Android that's powering any success. And Samsung is now saying, hey, what if we just replace Android with our own stuff? We're selling phones that aren't really dependent on an app platform anyway. No one's buying a Samsung phone because it runs Android apps. They're buying a Samsung phone because the salesperson is getting a commission to sell them that, as opposed to like a HTC One or some other Android phone. So the value that Android is providing is very shallow. And it's very easy to work around it. So if you compare that to, to Apple, everyone's talking about how all oh, these Chinese companies are going to make cheap devices that look like an iPhone but they're not going to work like an iPhone. And that's the problem. That's why there hasn't been this huge shift to knockoff iPhones because these devices that are designed to look like an iPhone still run an app platform that is less attractive. So Apple's held its its market share and increased it 
around the world, but but um, specifically in the West, and they're they're making in quite incredible progress in China. Just recently, there was an article saying that you know Apple's share went up one percent, and and somebody I think it was Jay Arrow was saying how ridiculous it was that Apple only had one percent of increase. Well, it's like first of all, that's before the launch because Apple launched its new phones in China on on China Mobile in January, like after the quarter. But more importantly, the fact that Apple is increasing its share in China when you have super cheap devices there and no apparent, if you, if you look at the sort of market power that Apple has, Apple's being invited into China. People want Apple products. It's not like Apple's forcing its stuff in and paying people to sell it. So Apple's position is really strong. And Apple has a huge potential for expanding without introducing any new products where everyone else has a very sketchy position that it's quite easy to see how they could have what they have taken away from them. And that applies to Google and to Samsung. Let's look at another consequence of making things cheaper. Now we have the new CEO from Microsoft, Satya Nadella, and he is now in charge with Bill Gates looking over his shoulder. So there's a story that Microsoft plans to reduce the price of Windows licenses from an average $50 to OEMs, manufacturers of PCs, to $15, but only for PCs that retail for $250 or less. There are also other restrictions too. But the key here is we're talking about as far as Microsoft is concerned, giving Windows away to promote this class of cheap PCs. What's the point in that? Well, Microsoft is getting, um, they're seeing this market. To, the, to them is not, they're not selling any, any of these PCs. They worked really hard when netbooks first came out, and netbooks were originally running Linux. Microsoft worked really hard to, they were, at that point they were giving away Windows. So this isn't really that news. Um, Microsoft has never had a huge army of super cheap devices. And it has somewhat limited benefit to Microsoft because there's not that much money in it. However, they're starting to see a volume shift to where if, if Windows becomes obviously unimportant on, on cheap devices that a lot of people are, are using, it's going to have a rapidly um, eroding effect on Windows in general. And Windows is already facing a lot of other pro problems. And it's now facing, I mean, Microsoft is facing a lot of challenges to the PC for mobile devices, both um, phones and tablets. And on the high end from Apple, with, and the computers that actually have some profit margin on them are being really pressed by uh, consumers' interest in Macs. So Apple has, has had increasing share. They're growing faster than the market for the past, what, five years or eight years? Every quarter, except for one quarter, which was last winter when they didn't release the iMac and their sales were down. That's a long streak of, of increasing share against Windows. We have other long streaks to talk about, but first, listen to this. We have... Daniel Aaron Dilger of AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live.
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. (coughs) Don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the 
winter specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. On the Tech Night Now Live, we're talking about Microsoft trying to make a move into the low end. Some are suggesting it's because of Google's Chrome OS, which is on very, very cheap, barely functional PCs. Is that partly correct? Well, there's been a lot of effort to create the story that Chrome OS has really taken off, but I, I don't really see any evidence that it is. I mean, if you look at percentage of increase, I mean, maybe compared to zero, it's like, you know, Windows Phone looks like it's doing good if you compare it to Windows Phone last year. Um, in some cases, but that doesn't mean that it's successful. And, you know, if you look at just the market, you know, that this is one of the favorite things they like to do. They like to compare Apple to everything else in the world, but they compare Chrome OS only to this very specific market for people willing to pay $250 or less for a, you know, a full computer. Well, of course, Chrome OS is, is dominating that because that's all Chrome OS is. Nobody else is even trying to enter that space because there's no money in it. So, you know, the fact that Google's giving away this web computer to try to establish Chrome isn't really indicative that that's really driving consumer demand or interest or that's what something people want. And you're looking at, you know, if you're looking at sales, you know, you also have to factor in returns. And there's really no evidence if you look at the same web stats that show that people are actually using iPads are not showing that people are actually using Chrome OS. It's interesting that in general, Apple gets a much higher percentage of people actually using their devices to go online. Yeah, but that's because they created an engaging experience. I mean, Apple's whole business model revolves around trying to, I mean, they're basically trying to make people happy. They're not trying to invent technology and then figuring out a use for it, which is what Apple used to do like in the early 90s. That didn't work out very well. They were developing all this raw technology, trying to figure out how they could market it. Um, but one of the big things that Steve Jobs really focused on was focusing on what, what bringing value to people. So saying, here's something that we worked on that there's a lot of raw technology in it, but the whole impetus for developing this product was to make something that people would want. And Chrome OS is an effort. It's not designed to, to deliver a product that people want. It's designed to further Google's ad empire, which is kind of similar to you know, Microsoft's efforts to expand Windows, which was outside of the PC, completely a flop. You know, they tried to get into everything from tablets to copiers to, you know, they put Windows everywhere on everything. The thing is, people didn't want Windows. People wanted, a, a, you know, a, a, an affordable computing environment. So they bought PCs, but they didn't want Windows on things. And Microsoft never got that. That was Bill Gates' big delusion is that people wanted Windows. No, people didn't want Windows. They wanted a product that maybe that had Windows on it because it meant that they knew what apps it would run, which is the same reason that, that they want iOS products. But people don't necessarily want iOS. They want a device from Apple that works really well and is backed by the company. Well, maybe Paul Thoreau should figure that out. Although I gather he's realizing that 
Microsoft and Android has problems because all the good stuff, all the high-end stuff is being made by Apple. I think Paul has kind of figured out that Windows has some problems. <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> He's well, he understands skating. here that Microsoft's solution is not to make people buy Windows 8, but to keep undoing the changes so people might buy it if it was more like Windows 7. But now Microsoft is making this big push to get people to move away from Windows XP. Released in 2001, what is it? Close to 30% of Windows users who go online are using Windows XP. That doesn't count point-of-sale systems, credit card systems, ATMs that go onto private networks or no network outside of a company. So maybe it's 40%? For heaven's sake, this is a nightmare for Microsoft. And their argument in one blog I saw quoted was to get Windows 8 because all the stuff we added that nobody wants. Yeah, and again, if you look at at Windows 8, what it's trying to deliver is it's trying to be sort of like iPad-like and follow trends. But what it delivers is not a great experience. If you worked with these machines, it's sort of confusing. It goes back and forth between like the the 90s Windows and this sort of new like derivation of Windows Phone. And it's not overall, it's not engaging. It's not, you know, productive. There's nothing good about it. And if you really love Microsoft, you can, you know, you can say nice things about it, but it's not something, it's clearly not something that's attracting consumer interest because consumers are not buying it. And that's just the opposite of, of iOS. You can go and say all these problems with iOS, but the thing is, you know, you can talk about how the iPad doesn't do, that's what Microsoft's advertising is all about. It's like, oh, the iPad is a toy. And it's like, well, people use iPads and it does what they want them to do. Apparently, that's really not the message you should be trying to use because it's not working. Their argument is it doesn't have Microsoft Office, okay? But increasingly, Microsoft Office doesn't matter, especially in mobile devices. It will be interesting to see how well Apple keeps up its development because of iWork. Because Apple's whole thing with, with apps has been to have a team that goes out and, and does a new app and does this cool new thing that does a lot of innovative things, but it's not quite finished. And then they go off and do another app. And then they go off and do another app. And there's some sort of maintenance release stuff, but it's, there's almost nobody working on those teams. So Apple's had all these apps that have like tremendous promise, but have never gone anywhere. And iWork has just been sitting there for a long time, just kind of like remaining. Kind of the same thing Apple did with with you know after they acquired claris and while they had they didn't acquire claris they've always owned it but when they had all these apps that were great and then sort of like faded away and so it's interesting to see just in the last since the release of ios 7 they introduced new versions of these apps kind of in the model of office so it's like here it is and next month here's another version that's we've fixed some of the outstanding problems and the complaints and the next month there's another Really, so I hope Apple keeps up with that and, and establishes kind of a a Microsoft Office type uh, update schedule of consistently making things better. And they're not even charging money for it anymore. So it's like here's here's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to sell a couple of these apps. We're trying to develop a product that makes our platform irresistible. So I hope they stick with that. They did promise to restore all most of the features that they killed. When they came out with the new mostly free versions, I say mostly free because if you don't have an older version, the previous version, if you're not buying a new Mac or an iPhone or an iPad, you have to pay a modest, very modest shareware-like fee to get these apps. 
yeah, they've, they've kind of just made it part of the operating system, basically. On new, when you buy a new release, here's some new features. You get a word processor and a spreadsheet and a movie editor and photo management, which makes a lot of sense. Of course, it also freaks out Microsoft because Apple is giving you free what Microsoft depends on for their income. Daniel Aaron Dilger, tell our listeners where they can find more of the things you do. Well, my old stuff is on Roughly Drafted. I haven't written anything there in a while, but I've been writing for Apple Insider, especially on the weekend. I usually do an editorial, um, but it's on appleinsider.com. The stuff that I do, I, I frequently tweet out um, on Daniel Aaron, E-R-A-N, which is my middle name, Daniel Aaron, is my Twitter handle, so stuff that I write is, usually comes out there. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. All right, thanks for having me, Gene. Minds think alike. The network for the independent minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a big Berkey at 
BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer joins us in a lot of things to talk about this week. One is the SSL bug. And we talked about it a bit with our previous guest, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Now, do you think that maybe the media fear-mongered just a wee bit too much about this thing? Oh, well, first, thanks for having me back on. It's always a blast. Um, as far as the fear-mongering goes, well, Apple is a company right now that the media loves to bag on when, when they get the opportunity to do so. And this was a, clearly a perfect opportunity for them to, to bag. Apple should have responded to this uh, threat sooner because it's a, it's a pretty serious bug. And they knew about it for a while. They just didn't say anything. But uh, when, when it became uh, well-known, so like in the, what, what is it, like in the last week or so, two weeks, they had their patch for iOS out fairly quickly. And then followed just a few days later with the version for the Mac. So on one hand, they did a good job of, of getting something out quickly when they actually did get it out. On the other hand, they, in essence, publicized there's this huge security flaw in OS X Mavericks, and it isn't patched. They, they should have rolled out the patches simultaneously, I think. Assuming there's a question of development times, which there likely was, at least be silent about it. But then here's the problem. Once they roll out the first patches for iOS, the question arises, okay, is there a similar bug in OS X? So maybe they were caught there. They had to get the first patch out. And I wouldn't presume to know the reasons why it takes a certain amount of time to build a patch into an operating system, fix the installers, do all that stuff. That's not my expertise. So I'm not prepared to say that they could have done it better or not. Uh, I'm not in a position to be able to say whether or not they could have done it better. 
uh, of course, it takes time to write the code and then test it. They don't want to release a security patch that makes things worse. So waiting to get it right makes sense. And I can only assume that meant for OS X, they had to wait just a little bit longer to make sure they had it right. And in this case, too, they're finishing, clearly, an OS X maintenance update. So they have to consider that in releasing this. Okay, do we make a separate patch, which can take longer? Mm-hmm. Or do we take what we already have that's already just about ready and use that? I don't know. I just think the media was fear-mongering. There was one columnist who implied that Apple knew about it from the day that OS X Mavericks was released, and that is preposterous. Well, like I said, the media loves to bag on Apple right now. So any opportunity, it's of course, it's going to happen. And while I would like to have seen Apple respond quicker to this, meaning before it became a thing in the media, when they did release something, well, they released something that clearly fixes the problem. Because you you can go to the to the website that I just forgot the URL for. It's like uh, go, go to, to fail. fail.com. Yes. And it will check your web browser and make sure that you are properly patched. Which is, it's, it's actually really important to, to make sure that you have the patches installed on the Mac. Because that SSL flaw applies more to more than just Safari. It, it applies to mail and to other system level uh, login checks that happen. So like Facebook and Twitter. So th- this is important. People need to, to make sure they install the update right away, regardless of, of how they feel about Apple's response to the, to the, to the bug. Speaking of fear mongering, well, there's a story today too saying that one of Apple's problems is they've lost the ability to innovate what constitute innovation? Well, they don't buy enough flashy companies like Google does. Now, I'm having a logic disconnect here, and that disconnect is coming in from what I define innovation to be and what buying things means to be. Those are not the same thing. So I, Well, I you see, think of it this way. We all innovate anytime we buy something. You know, I buy a package of chewing gum. I've innovated. Huh? Um, try again. No, I, honestly, I, I, I'm kind of at a loss on, on that one. I don't get why. Well, okay. Actually, I do get why they would say that. It goes back to what we just talked about with, with the security bug, the, the go-to fail thing. People want to beg on Apple. And rightly or wrongly, they, they will do so. I don't see an innovation problem at Apple. The problem I see is that people have artificially raised their expectations for Apple, and they expect that Apple is going to release an incredible market-shattering product every quarter, which is crazy because they have never done that, ever. People think that because Steve Jobs isn't here and he isn't running the company, that Apple isn't innovating now and that, and that they've lost that momentum. And we haven't seen that to be true yet because they're still moving at the same speed they were when Steve Jobs was around. So if you're going to say that Apple isn't innovating, I think you'd be better off pointing to 
product release cycles than to whether or not they're buying companies. But if that's all you've got and you want to, to bag on a company, well, then that's what you use. I don't think there's an innovation problem because Apple hasn't been buying up companies. And we know they have been buying up companies. They've also been buying up a lot of talent. That, I think, lends credence to the, to the idea that Apple is innovating because they're hiring people that can help them break into a new market, which is wearable fitness tech. Now, there are broader definitions of innovation and lesser definitions. And as a matter of fact, there was an article, an editorial in Macworld magazine just recently where the writer suggested that Apple has innovated three times since the early 2000s, number one being the iPod, number two being the iPhone, number three being the iPad, and that that's innovation because it's a trend-setting product, it starts a whole new product line, and everything else has been iterative, so therefore that's innovation. Others say, well, you have Touch ID, a workable fingerprint sensor. You have 64-bit chips in a mobile device. You have other things that weren't there before, other capabilities that weren't there before, and that's a measure of innovation. There are innovation levels, and that's what we see also a lot of times when they talk about Apple. You don't have this granular coverage where innovation may have multiple levels. And that's a really there's, good point. There's no one definition there. You can have a thousand inventions in one of these products, each of which in any other definition would be innovation. But of course, you assume the highest level of innovation, then why do you hold Apple to that standard way up there and not the other companies? I mean, let's look at Samsung smartphones. Their first smartphones look like Blackberries. The next group of smartphones look like iPhones. Where's the innovation? That's a really good question. Now, I think Samsung gets off the hook easy because they have a track record where we, we don't expect them to create Apple-like products. So when they roll out something like the, the Galaxy Gear smartwatch, everyone looks at it and goes, well, that's Samsung. And if it was Apple, the stock would tank. People would rake the company over the coals. The shareholders would be lining up demanding that Tim Cook be fired. Let's do our break here and we'll go on. It's a matter of standards and Apple's held to that higher standard. As we said, Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We're talking to Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer, and we're covering, first of all, the double standard that applies to Apple. 
if we're looking at innovation, for example, well, maybe Apple should have bought Nest. That's the company that Google bought for $3 billion, founded by Tony Fidel, who's considered the father of the iPod. Now, I don't know. Is it innovation to make a smart thermostat or a smart smoke sensor? I mean, they're great products, I guess, but what I, is it? I would say there's innovation in the products that Nest makes because they have found ways to take uh, devices that we have used for years and make them more efficient. And they made them intelligent so that they can give us better information about what they're doing and then we can make better decisions on how we will use those devices. So, sure, I believe there's innovation there. As far as should have Apple bought Nest, the the question I come back to all the time is, what's in it for Apple? And the answer I come up with is, I don't see anything. I, I don't think Nest would have been a good purchase for Apple because it would have split their focus from their core market into other markets. And that's that's not what Apple does anymore. They haven't done that for a really long time. Ever since Steve Jobs came back and and he and he really uh, focused the company's development efforts, they've stayed that course. And I think buying Nest would have taken them out of their their focused course, their focused product development. So it it didn't make sense for Apple to buy Nest, at least in my opinion. For someone like Google. Well, they, they have a very long-term plan that, uh, that ultimately, I think, makes Nest a good fit. And I think, in the long run, that fit isn't based on the, the devices that Nest makes today, but the collaborative technologies that they can develop with Google down the road. Speaking of double standards, there's a story I'm just reading here that was quoted by The Loop. That's Jim Dalrymple's site. And he points out here that when Apple introduced Touch ID, the fingerprint sensor, a lot of paranoia there. Oh, someone's going to cut your finger off and use it to impersonate you. Of course, you can't do that because it's picking up the information from below the surface of your finger. And if you're dead, it doesn't work. work. It also shows how myopic people can be about security. Right. But here's what's happening. Samsung introduces the Galaxy S5, which has a fingerprint sensor. Now, let's not talk about the technology, which is better or worse. That doesn't matter. What matters is I'm not hearing these complaints anymore. So if Apple is guilty of doing something really screwed up with a fingerprint sensor, what about Samsung's Galaxy S5 with a fingerprint sensor? Yeah. What about that? And it sounds like from from what information is available right now that – the sensors that Samsung is putting in the S5 are not as sophisticated as what Apple's using for Touch ID in the iPhone 5S. So my expectation is that people will be able to find ways to bypass that security more easily than they've been able to do with the iPhone 5S. And I'm not saying that before the phone ships, people will have already hacked the the touch sensor. Just that I think it will be easier for them to do so than than they found it to be with the iPhone 5S. What they did with the iPhone 5S was to take somebody's fingerprint, make a 3D cast, and it sounds like an elaborate thing that may or may not have worked. But 
the only way it could succeed at all was to first target an individual and say, I'm going to get control of that person's iPhone. I don't know. You see, part right. of the problem also with Samsung is Samsung adds loads of features. And people say, oh, it's got an eight-core processor. It's got this, and Apple is toast and all that stuff. Can't you wait till the thing comes out? It's reviewed, and we know if the products and the services and all the extra apps and features work. You would think. Now, Okay, now we also have the modus operandi that Samsung uses for product development. And it's more of a let's throw everything we can at it attitude. And hopefully there will be enough in there to draw people in. Apple's method is to refine a product, take everything out that doesn't really need to be there. And, and sometimes they take out too much. But by and large, they, they come pretty close to nailing it. And so you end up with a, with a product that's very focused, whereas with Samsung, you end up with these products that, that are loaded up with a bunch of features that people may or may not use. They, they may impact stability or battery life. They probably mean that the device has to be thicker, heavier, and, sh- and, uh, and it won't run as long. The, the trade-offs that Samsung is making to put features into their devices, I think, is it's just wrong. They they need to focus more on what the features are that their customers actually need as opposed to just loading them up with everything they can possibly think of. And other stupid changes, like the Galaxy S5 is 5.1 inches. The Galaxy S4 is 5 inches. Why does it need to be a tenth of an inch larger? Well, it's a new version, so therefore it has to be different. I guess that's the reason. That's the only reason I can come up with, because the resolution is the same. So all they did was spread the pixels apart a little bit more. Now, it's not enough that people are going to notice, which then brings us back to what you just said. Why did they put a bigger screen on? Why does it actually matter? And I think, ultimately, it doesn't matter. They didn't need to do it, but they wanted a bigger screen because, uh, apparently, in Samsung's world, size does matter. I don't want to approach that with the 10 football. Let's look to some other topics here, okay? Totally changing things here, other than it's about handsets, mobile handsets. There is a bill in the U.S. House of Representatives mandating the ability to unlock cell phones. What's this all about? Well, on the surface, this sounds great because ever since the librarian of uh, Congress refused to extend the exemption to the Digital Millennium Copyright Act that would allow individuals to unlock their their smartphones without being in violation of copyright laws. We, we've been in this limbo where people don't know if they can actually do it themselves or if the DMCA cops are going to hunt them down. So Congress has decided that it's time to look into legislation that makes it okay for us to unlock our our phones. Now, I understand this is done between, what, voting 40 times to repeal Obamacare? They had Uh, to find something to do. Yeah, so so they just kind of slipped it in the docket. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So now here's the problem. The bill that has finally passed through the House, I don't like it. I don't think it's a good bill at all because it doesn't actually address the issue. What it does is it puts off the debate for a couple more years what it does is it extends the the exemption 
that that had been in place, it just extends it out for two years. It also adds in a clause that says people or companies that want to buy up a, a bunch of smartphones and then unlock them in mass and then turn around and sell them, they can't do that. So now, and, and, and I, I have a big problem with that. So now what we have is a situation where, where copyright law, because that's ultimately what this falls under right now, is being used to regulate a, an entire market. And, that, and that's not what the purpose of copyright law is. And it actually kills a market that already exists. And it creates a scenario where we have all kinds of cell phones, smartphones that are otherwise still usable that can't be used because they can't be unlocked and resold. So what we need is a different law. And hopefully this bill will die somewhere along the way. It's, its next stop is off to Congress where it will be debated and, and it may or may not make it out, uh, out of the Senate. And I don't think it will. I, I think it will die there. There are better options that are out there as, as proposed bills right now. And hopefully one of those will get picked up and, and, and make it all the way through. The conventional wisdom has it that the carrier locks the phone for as long as you have a carrier contract, and then they'll unlock it at your request. That's the conventional wisdom. What's your feeling about that? And that's a question which Jeff Gamut will answer on the other side, because we're coming to the end of this segment. Jeff Gamut is from the Mac Observer. If you go to MacObserver.com, you find more of the stuff that he writes about. We'll continue to talk about a bill to allow you to unlock phones or at least regulate the process? On the other side, the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Does advertising on the Genesis Communications radio network actually bring positive results? Let's ask Thomas Baldrick from Freeze-Dry Guy. Thomas, talk about customer service at GCN. GCN is extraordinary in how they take care of their customers. The bottom line, Freeze-Dry Guy keeps advertising on GCN because it works. If you'd like to experience unbelievable customer service, call Lee Wickenhauser at 877-996-4327, extension 107. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this 
this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. Utopiasilver.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I'm Gene Steinberg. I'm the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live right now. We've kind of jumped over for four or five minutes there. Jeff Gamick joining us from the Mac Observer. So, Jeff. Do you think that it should be limited, the ability to unlock a phone to the end of your carrier contract, or should the carrier even have that right? I don't think the carrier should have that right. Now, that said, a carrier can write a, a contract for their customers that says anything they want. I mean, really, if, if AT&T or Verizon wanted to, they could put in the contract what color shirt you wear. And someone would, of course, contest that, but, uh, but they can do it. I don't think there should be a clause in the contracts that cell companies have with, with their customers that says they can't unlock the phones and that, and that only the carrier can do it. It's, you, you ultimately own the phone. You, you bought it, and whether you paid for it outright or you are essentially financing it through through your monthly cell phone payment. That that's your phone. You should be able to unlock it if you want. I don't see any problem with that at all. It's like, for example, if I buy a new car and I owe a certain amount in payments. So I buy a car, the average price of a new car today is thirty thousand dollars. And I finance a thirty thousand dollar car over six years or something. Mm-hmm. And now I pay ten thousand dollars and I say, you know what, I don't want this car. I'm gonna sell it. Now I'm not cheating the bank who owns the car, because in selling it, that money will in part be used to pay off the note. Obviously, otherwise, the ownership of the car is not transferred. But they can't stop me from using the car the way I want. They can't stop the new owner from driving the car. You know, this is the way things normally work, except for smartphones or cell phones in general, where the ability to use it where you want as long as it's compatible, it's restricted by the company from whom you buy it. Yes. And I can see why the cell carriers have, have really pushed to keep that control because they want to make sure that they're getting paid for the phones that they're selling. Yes, but they have a contract. They do. If have you a violate contract. the contract, they can go after you. They right. can send a collection agency, they could sue you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, they see this as a way to help ensure that they get paid for the phone that they sold you. That said, I don't think it's right. And honestly, what I would rather see is a system where we aren't dealing with subsidized phones at all. Because what, once you take that out of the mix, it takes that, that level of control from the carriers and hands it back to the customers. They own their phone outright. It's their phone. They should be able to do what they want. And if you pay an, for an unsubsidized iPhone, as an example, it, it is sold to you as an unlocked device. 
So why can't we just have it like that all the time? Well, think of it this way also. If you buy something with a credit card, you're financing it. If you go to, say, T-Mobile and use one of their new plans here where you pay for the plan, then you buy the phone and you finance the phone. Mm-hmm. They're giving you a loan for $650 for an iPhone. During that period, you're paying them. You owe them that money. You signed the contract. Who cares if you have a locked phone or not? You're still obligated to T-Mobile to pay them. That should be illegal. If we're going to be blunt about it, as long as you've made a contract with a carrier, it should be illegal to violate that contract. Obviously, it is. You know, This way, they have a right to sue you. It's a civil complaint. It can destroy your credit rating. You want to get another cell phone somewhere else, they're not going to finance you because you got a bad mark on your credit record. So you have the incentive to pay for it. It doesn't matter if it's locked or not. If it's unlocked and you're still paying for the phone at T-Mobile and it works at AT AT&T, heck, go to AT&T. Of course, what they want to do is lock you into their service, which is the point. Exactly. And if it was a car, it's not like car manufacturers are locking you into buying gas from only a certain uh, gas station. You can go anywhere you want and, and you can get your gas anywhere. They, they do hold the threat of repossessing your car if you don't pay for it. And I don't see anything wrong with, uh, with whoever finances the price of your cell phone repossessing your cell phone if you don't pay for that. Normally, they don't bother with something cheap. A car, a big ticket item like a car, there is a structure to repossess, and it's widely sure. used, unfortunately. So, you know, it's not like you can hide, run and hide. Eventually, for most people who don't pay for their car, the truck's going to come out and pick up the car, and that's it. But with and a smartphone, you, you know, who's going to pick up your smartphone if you didn't pay for it? But yeah, they could also deny you service. They can deny you service. Uh, they could, I suppose, if they managed to get laws written this way they could set it up so that if uh if you default on your your cell phone loan that they can brick the phone i don't like that idea i think that would be really bad because what happens when uh when there's some sort of clerical error on the service provider's part and they accidentally brick your phone and you have an emergency and you can't call 911 the phone is bricked someone steals your property you get injured the lawsuit will be incredible, especially if it's a mistake. Oh, yes. So should they bother at all, Congress? They absolutely need to bother, but they need to bother in the right way. Right now, the way the Digital Millennium Copyright Act is written and interpreted, it restricts us from using our cell phones in the ways that we wanted. It, it, it would be as if uh, a law had been passed that said, you can go out and buy a Toyota Corolla, but you can only drive it on these certain streets. And if you drive on a street that, that we haven't pre-approved, then we can sue you for a ridiculous amount of money. Also, if you drive in the wrong place, we can have the car bricked also. And we can brick your car. Yeah, they do that, by the way. Some car loan companies, some used car dealers have the capability of putting some kind of hardware in the car. And if you don't pay your bill, you want to start the car and go to work that morning, uh-uh, pay the bill. That's crazy. 
holy crap. And, and, and people agree to buy cars under those terms? Well, you know what? Some of these companies are unscrupulous and they don't tell you. So, ah, okay. But th- what a horrible thing to do. I can't imagine buying a car and knowingly agreeing to have a, a, a bricking device built into it. And the key being here, what if something happens? What if you lose your job? You know, right now, if you lose your job or you have a financial problem, quite often, if you call the bank and you say, look, I got a problem, you work it out with them. Say, look, here's the deal. I'm not going to have the money for six weeks. Is that okay? They might work out something for you. They might decide, no, listen, give up the car. That's it. That's your decision. They own it. But at least you have an option. This is not fair. If something happens, again, what if you have to go somewhere in case of an emergency? Somebody's sick. A lot of crazy things happening out there. Sure. Speaking of craziness, let's look at other government stuff. Okay. So Apple has now officially appealed this Department of Justice lawsuit about price fixing. Now, we have talked about this in the past, and I've talked about this with other guests, that there was an antitrust monitor in place at Apple watching over them to see that they did the proper things to adhere to this ruling, which is, of course, that they and several publishers engaged in anti-competitive practices with regard to ebook price. So Apple complained this guy was overstepping his authority. I think pending the appeal, he was kind of cut back, wasn't he? He, he was. He's still in place, but the, the appeals court put some, some big restrictions on what he's allowed to do, which essentially reins him in to the very specific tasks that he was supposed to be doing. But he'd been going beyond what, what it appeared the letter of the law required. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Jeff Gamet from the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night High Live. You know, folks, I have a close relative who has been trying to set up a website. He gets his domain, looks great. But what about the site? What does he do next? Where does he start? Well, Squarespace, it's the all-in-one platform, makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace offers 24-7 support. And it's cheap. It only costs as little as $8 a month. You know, really inexpensive to set up your professional website. And you can start a trial with no credit card required. Build your website today in minutes. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code TECHNIGHTOWL. That's TECHNIGHTOWL to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support to the Tech Night Owl Live. We thank Squarespace for supporting our show. Check them out at squarespace.com, squarespace.com. Hi, this is Steve Spillum for Midas Resources. In 1971, President Nixon took the United States off the gold standard and put us into a fiat currency. This allowed Congress and the Federal Reserve to create trillions of dollars out of thin air. The national debt has risen to incredible heights, and your hard-earned dollars buy a small fraction of what they once did. The average life expectancy for a fiat currency is 27 years. The dollar is failing and on borrowed time. When currencies fall, people turn to gold and silver because gold and silver have been real money for more than 5,000 years. It is our mission at Midas 
resources to help you preserve your capital. Don't let your personal savings shrink to nothing. For important free information on how you can protect your personal wealth, contact me, Steve Spillum, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Call today while we are still accepting dollars for gold and silver. 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Make a change in your financial security today. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life, lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Or log on now to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Out Live, Jeff Gamut from the Mac Observer joins us. Right now, we're focusing on Apple's loss in the ebook price fixing suit. Obviously, when they lost, they said they're going to appeal. They now have. What are Apple's grounds? Well, Apple. They, they still maintain that they did not engage in in antitrust activities. They are saying that placing a monitor in their in the company is unprecedented. And in this case, actually, I have to agree with Apple because typically when you have a monitor placed in a company, you have an extended period of documented violation, whatever that is. And here you're talking about one particular type of transaction. Right. For a company that's been around since the 1980s and has never, ever been charged by the Department of Justice for any other infraction. 
Right. And this particular incident covers essentially one quarter. So we're talking like three or four months time and a single incident. And they end up with this monitor in place. When you have a monitor, historically, what has happened is that the company that is being monitored agrees to the terms and and voluntarily brings that monitor into the company. In this case, Apple was adamantly opposed to that monitor coming in, and clearly, and they're and they're still trying to fight that. So we have all of these things that don't fit the pattern and. Because of that, I believe Apple is right when they're saying this This is an unprecedented move. I think it also sets a new precedent that should have pretty much every other big corporation under the sun really worried. Because if Apple could get stuck with, with a monitor that, for a while at least, was able to, to run basically unfettered through the company and do as he pleased, what does that mean for, for other businesses? So the other thing that, that was part of the, the whole appeal is that uh, Apple is asking either to have the case just thrown out, of course, or um, to have a new judge assigned to the case and do a retrial. Any indication this judge is unfairly biased against Apple? That depends on who you talk to. The, if you go back to the days before the trial actually started, it was really big news that Judge Cote was was offering her opinion, saying that the DOJ was going to win the case. And everyone was going off about, oh, my God, she's already made up her mind. She's totally biased. This is anti-Apple. And that's not the case. It's really common in cases like this for both sides to ask for the judge's opinion before they actually jump all the way into the trial. And it gives everyone a good idea of what to expect. And if either side needs to, to rethink part of their strategy, they have that information up front. So that, that's exactly what happened here. And Judge Cote went through the information that was available before the trial and said, yeah, based on what I'm seeing here, I'm inclined to think that the DOJ has the stronger case. So we've it's got almost that. like a preliminary ruling. Sure, sure. Now, the the problem is a lot of people looked at that and said, see, it proves she's biased. No, it doesn't prove she's biased. But based on the final outcome, either she really, really wanted to see Apple go down in this, or there's information that none of us have been privy to. In this trial, because all of the evidence, all of the testimony, everything showed to all of us on the outside that Apple had the stronger case and Apple proved their case. And then Judge Coate rules as, as she did, and then even goes so far as to throw a monitor inside Apple. And we've all been sitting back looking at this going, well, we're kind of at a loss. We don't get it. If Judge Coate is biased and she's letting that bias play out, this will ultimately go poorly for the court because that's something that will come out in the appeal process. So it would be foolish for her to put a personal bias on this case. And she has a good reputation. She's a really sharp judge. I, I just don't see her 
intentionally doing something like that. So now I'm back to what is it that that we all don't know that she does. But shouldn't that be part of the public record? You would think. Now, there are some pieces of information that are redacted from, from the public because they are company secrets. Maybe there's a piece of information in all of that that totally makes sense for her ruling. But it's information we don't have access to. So where do you go from there? But from there, we go to, to our appeal. And my Jedi instincts tell me that on appeal, Apple's going to win. Okay. And what grounds? I, I think that pretty much what they'll be able to do is, is re-present all the evidence that they used during the trial and that the appeals court will be able to look at that and they will interpret it differently than Judge Cote did. Of course, not as if you can throw out Judge Cote if you were showing that she really was biased. If, if they can actually show that she was biased, then we're looking at serious sanctions for Judge Cote and the whole trial being thrown out and I'll have to do a retrial. We shall see what we shall see. I'm not going to assume anything at this point. Oh, neither am I. Even though I just did that by saying my Jenny instincts tell me Apple's going to win. So how long is this going to take? A year or two? I'm going to guess that this part of the process will be done within a year, tops. And whether or not we have more appeals after that, well, then that will determine how much longer it's going to drag out. And remember, too, that even if a judgment is made or something is rendered here and the Department of Justice loses, the Department of Justice can say, well, let's go to the Supreme Court. Let's see if Justice Scalia has a better idea. Right. And my, my guess is that if Apple prevails on appeal, it will end. I don't think the, the Department of Justice wants to throw more money at this case. I mean, they, they already spent a crazy amount of, of our taxpayer dollars on this case. And I don't think it would be prudent to uh, continue to spend money after this appeal. All right. So I guess we'll see. We shall see what we shall see. But we'll take your optimism about Apple's success under advisement as they do in the court. As they do in the court. You see how I get away with that, you know? Oh, we'll take them under advisement after all. What could possibly happen? A year from now, Apple may emerge victorious. I'm going to ask you about the current implications while this happens, though. We have Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. Go to MacObserver.com to learn more of the things that he does. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database, so you get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. We travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets. But fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $29.95 with free shipping. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and re-cleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. 
What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Here on the Tech Night Isle Live, two more segments with Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. So in the meantime, while Apple is engaged in the appeal process, and all the publishing companies, they caved already. Mm-hmm. So now what happens? So the publishing companies, they agreed to, uh, to deals that restricted how they could negotiate their, their book deals. So in that respect, nothing is going to change because the, the restrictions that are in place, even if they didn't apply to Apple, by proxy would apply to Apple because they can't work these other deals with the book publishers because of the restrictions the book publishers are under. So things will just continue to move forward as, as they are. The, the big thing now is to see how this plays out for Apple and what types of long-term restrictions they may or may not have to deal with and whether or not they have to deal with monitors in place for, for the foreseeable future. In theory, though, Apple can do what they did. But doesn't that turn things back to the way it was before this deal with the publishers was made? Oh, sure. The, the whole publisher deal thing, when that played out, pretty much what was happening was that Apple and the publishers, regardless of whether or not they were colluding, were trying to break the... the monopoly-like hold that Amazon had on the book market. Yes, isn't that strange? Yeah. So uh, on a side note, because of Judge Coates' ruling, we have what amounts to uh, uh, an endorsement of Amazon's monopoly on the market. But yeah, there you go. So we have all these companies that, that were trying to to break through this monopoly that Amazon had created because they they're killing the the book industry for other retailers and ultimately no one's going to be able to sustain that because because Amazon is selling books at a loss and no one can compete with someone that's that's willing to lose money on every book they sell so sure the the notion that book prices might go up was was right because Everyone, well, Amazon was underselling everyone and artificially lowering the prices. So, where the DOJ was saying that Apple and the book publishers were artificially raising the prices, well, I don't agree with the artificially part. That they just wanted to charge what the books were costing. So, we have this difference of opinion between Apple and the publishers and the Department of Justice and Amazon, and everything has swung back in Amazon's favor. So Amazon is free to price books how they want, which means they will continue to undercut to the rest of the market and retailers won't be able to compete. So in the end, of course, Amazon wins. Yes, Amazon wins. It's so exciting. Yes, and, and now we have the... Okay, so if we speculate as to what happens after all of the other... Uh, book retailers are pretty much gone and Amazon controls pretty much the entire market 
Then what happens? Do they continue to sell books at a loss or do they raise the prices and start making profits? And if they raise the prices, well, now everyone's going to be pissed off because Amazon controls the entire market and now they get to set the prices and they won't be happy with that. So we'll tune in a year from now and see how it goes with Apple's appeal and where that takes us. Of course, it didn't help that all the companies who were sued in addition to Apple caved. Yeah, that was, I'm guessing that was a tough call for, for the publishers because when they caved, they, they did it without admitting guilt. And it was, in my opinion, it was, it was as if it were extortion, which, which is how a lot of this works. They, they're told, look, you can pay this, this money here. And we'll just make the, the trial thing go away and we'll do this other little deal and we'll shake hands and it'll all be good. Or we can take you to trial and we can squeeze so much money out of you that even though you're one of the biggest publishers on the planet, we will put you out of business. All right. So if these are your options, you would, as a CEO of the company, you would probably be fiscally irresponsible to say, no, we're going to trial knowing full well that it could put your company out of business. From a fiscal standpoint, you pretty much have to take the deal because it's going to cost less. It ensures your company stays in business and your shareholders aren't knocking on your door wondering why their shares aren't worth the paper they're printed on. It's a tough place to be. In a situation like this, too, if he tries to play tough, faced with this possibility, he's not going to be a CEO for very long. Right. And Apple is in a unique position with all of this because they have the money to throw at the court and they they can afford to take this all the way to the supreme court and tim cook has made it clear that they will take this as far as it can possibly go which should have the the doj concerned because the the bottom line is apple has more money than the department of justice <laughs> yeah maybe they're not thinking about those possibilities yeah, maybe they're not, but maybe they should be. Can you dig it, man? It's, tell you it's really a mess. Let's look into some other issues that are coming up. And this one is regarding the European Union and patent trolls. Yeah, isn't that kind of interesting? Patent trolls are a problem everywhere, not just in the United States. And we should probably tell people what patent trolls are because there, there may be a few people out there that, that have no idea. So a patent troll, that's a term that's, that's been used to describe companies that, that are patent holders. And patent holders f- that use the, the patent portfolios that they have as their sole source of income, not by primarily by licensing to uh, legitimately licensing to other companies but through threats of litigation if people don't just give them money for licensing. In many cases, these patents are of dubious nature and, and on closer inspection can be uh, uh, ruled invalid. But in the meantime, these companies get to rake in all kinds of money because the threat of litigation is not worth it for whoever they're targeting. And so, their assumption is here is that they can strong arm. There the you go. Yep. They strong arm money out of, out of people with a threat of, of uh, lawsuits. So 
it's this is a problem not just in the United States. The European Union is looking at putting together a union wide patent system, which would also include a union wide patent court. And what Apple and Samsung and Google and several other I think there's like 19 or 20 companies, big companies that all went together and presented a letter to the European Union urging reform to the patent laws so that it would not be possible for patent trolls to be able to use the threat of, uh, of blocking product sales as a tool for pressuring companies into just giving them money. So Isn't this fascinating, though, that we have Apple and Samsung competing in the courts. We have Apple and Samsung dealing with each other to handle sale of component parts to Apple. But Samsung and Apple and other companies will join together to send a letter to the European Union with their concerns. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating how, how just complicated all these relationships are. Because we do have a, a I'll, I'll call it a worldwide patent battle between Apple and Samsung. And yet they're willing to stand side by side and tell the European Union, look, we need to get some changes to these patent laws. Hey, we have to make a few changes right now. And we'll be back for one more segment. We have Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 
by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Pharmacist Ben Fuchs has learned the importance of good fats for good health. Good fats are essential fatty acids, and they're called essential because they're necessary for good health. That's why he uses Ultimate EFAs from Longevity. Among the fats, the most powerful are two fats that are referred to as essential fatty acids. Now, nothing in the world of nutrition is more important than essential fatty fatty acids. The word essential means you better get it in your diet or you're in big trouble. Essential fatty acids are perhaps the most multifunctional and versatile of all the essential nutrients. Essential fatty acids are not just important for the heart. They're important for everything in the body. To get the essential fatty acids that are so important to your body, order Ultimate EFAs from Longevity by calling 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470. Or on the web at brightsidebin.com. That's brightsidebin.com. Order today. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer talking about the peculiar situation where they're after patent trolls in Europe and we have Samsung and Apple and other tech companies getting together to protect their interests as much as they may compete or fight against one another in other situations. Isn't that screwy? Now, patent trolls, let's look at the United States here. Now, they passed a new patent law some time back. Has it made any difference? It's hard to say. Part of the problem we have in the United States is that at the federal level, we have a court, one of the federal courts, it's in Marshall, Texas, that historically has been a favorite of patent trolls. Why? Well, that, that's because the court tends to favor the patent holder, regardless of how tenuous the patent may be. So now That is screwy. It, it is, but it also just simply is. So this is a place that the patent trolls like to go because they know they have a very high likelihood of winning their case. Companies that they're targeting 
know that there's a high likelihood that they're going to get stuck with with all these extra fees just because of where the the case is being filed and so they're more likely to to cut a deal so we have this system that's that's very broken and yeah so so we need change and we we've had some some reform but i think it's still too early to tell if it's actually making any difference and my guess is that the big companies in the united states aren't confident that it's enough because they're still pressuring congress to make to make bigger changes to the way patent law works in this country all right i think the problem with patents is again the fact that they're granted by overworked bureaucrats who really don't understand what they're approving, and I suspect will approve something because of the fact that, well, it appears to be new and different, and we don't know, so let's just err on the side of favoring the submitter. Well, there was a time when that was probably somewhat reasonable, but my guess is that was over 100 years ago. There, there was a point where if a, a patent was issued and the patent office was questionable about whether or not, but they're like, yeah, you know, maybe we should just do it. We'll err on the side of, uh, of caution. And if it's a problem, it's okay because, uh, because we have the, the failsafe of the court to be able to to really look closely at the questionable patents and help us figure out what's wrong. Well, it doesn't work that way anymore because now there are so many patents and the courts are so overloaded. It, it just, it's not a good fail safe to have. But okay, does the patent office have the professionals on hand to examine highly technical patents from Apple and other companies and make sure these things are really unique inventions? I'm going to say no, and part of that's because I don't think they have enough people to handle the the load, regardless of how technical a patent may be. They're they're just they're simply overworked and and horribly understaffed. And of course, with budget cuts, they become less staffed. Yes, so so the problems get compounded. <sighs> so what do you do except? Stay in the courts. Where do you think this is all going to end, though, especially with Apple and Samsung? They tried several times in recent weeks to get together to reach a deal. And now Samsung admits they infringed, so far as I recall. But it didn't help. Yeah, they're going to end up back in court. They're going to go through a whole nother trial. And it will probably play out much like the, the trial did the first time around. Okay, I, that that's a bad way to say it. The way the first trial worked out, because this is not a retrial. This is, this is a second trial, different products. I, I think we'll end up with a similar outcome, and it's it's going to be expensive and time consuming, and it's going to waste a lot of manpower. And I think that's how it's going to play out because it looks like this ball is simply rolling, and it doesn't matter how big you are. If you stand in front of it trying to stop it, it's just going to roll right over you. I mean, when, when you have, have the CEOs from Apple and Samsung talking and they're like, yeah, deal's not happening, even though we've been talking, that ball's not going to stop. There's never going to be an end to it. But the other thing you worry about here is, will this mean that 
products that were introduced years ago that may be infringed by the time they decide this, they're off the market. Maybe Samsung buys all this time and at the end they pay a few bucks and it's all gone. It doesn't matter because products that are shown to infringe that are no longer on the market become tools that Apple can use in further litigation to show the pattern that Samsung has. And that pattern will be will be recognized and accepted by the court because it was established in the court. So it's it's okay that these products aren't on the market. What really matters is that Apple gets the win so that they, they just have more ammunition for for future patent fights. So it doesn't matter to Apple. They create the precedents, they get the rulings, and then anything that Samsung does is going to be under the microscope. Exactly. Yes. As far as they're concerned, what is their motive in this? If they realize they're going to lose, if they realize they're not going to stop the importation of Apple products but face the wrath, do they just assume, well, we're making so much money if at the end we have to pay Apple something? That's cool. It's part of the cost of doing business. Sure, that's exactly right. The, the other side of that is that if Samsung doesn't actively pursue defending their patents, then they will lose the right to do so. So they are obligated to, to target Apple or other companies over what they see as patent infringement. Because if they don't, at some point, a court's going to say, look, you weren't, you weren't defending these patents anyhow. People could just use them. Right, so Apple has no choice. They've got to defend their intellectual property. Samsung is playing long ball here, I guess. And and they're also in the position where they have to defend their intellectual property. So, yeah, it's a problem because these companies are in a position right now where regardless of what they would like to do, they have to pursue this patent protection uh, regime or regiment, excuse me, regiment. And there'll be no end. When you and I are 97 years old, Apple and Samsung will be suing each other. I I fear you're right. That's assuming we're healthy when we're 97. After this week, you know, I had one of these bugs and it really tore me down. I wonder if I'll be here till 97, but that's too grim. Oh, I think you will be. You're, You're very feisty. You'll be here. Thank you. And you're very feisty yourself, as a matter of fact. Tell our listeners, feisty Jeff Glamett, <laughs> how they can find more of the feisty stuff at the feisty site that you write on. Well, if they point their web browser to MacObserver.com. They Not can... feisty, by the way, MacObserver.com. That's right, MacObserver.com. Just head over there. You can see all kinds of awesome things that, uh, that our amazing staff of, of writers come up with. And, uh, and then Twitter, I'm Jake Amitz. So you can find me there. Um, and, and how about something that's a little more lighthearted? Um, Freshbrewtales.com. That's, that's my personal blog. I talk about coffee shops and crazy people. Check that out, too. Okay, lighthearted. You can find us, by the way, at Tech Night Owl on Twitter. We're Tech Night Owl on Twitter. And you go to TechNightOwl.com. Check our web portal where we've got episodes of the Tech Night Owl Live to download free Going back to like 2007, forever. Actually, the show has been on the air since 2002, and I'll continue doing it till I get it right. We have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Powercast. 
And this week, the co-host and I, Chris O'Brien, will talk shop. We'll catch up on things, answer listeners' questions, a lot more at Paracast.com. Once again, that's Paracast.com. Here on the Tech Night Out Live, Jeff Gamut. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. It's always a blast. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.